Let's pray. Lord, today as we take a look into your word, as we conclude our series on the book of Acts, help us to learn from a very special church called the Church of Antioch, to learn from their example, to understand what it means to be ready, set, and to launch. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Today I want to talk about the most powerful force in the universe. You know, a lot of scientists think that um, it all began with a big bang, but they can't explain how that happened. We as Christians know, God said, let there be, and there was, by his power. You look in scripture, you see a lot of verses about power. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. All things are possible with God. Romans um, 1, 16. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because the power of God unto salvation for all who believe. In Acts 1, 8, we began the series with this verse and today we see the fulfillment of it. When Jesus said to 11 men, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, to 11 common ordinary men, Jesus said, you are going to change the world. How? The power of God. What's so interesting as we go through Acts, we see how that happened. How the gospel was spread to the entire world by a small group of people. And, and I find it so interesting that Jesus comes and he walks on this planet. He could have done everything himself. He could have said, okay, you're all going to believe, and everybody would believe. So he does three years of earthly ministry, and when he dies and rises, and ultimately ascends, how many believers are there? Get the 12 disciples, minus Judas at that time. Eventually Matthias is added. And about 120 followers total. 120. Why so few? I believe it's because Jesus chose to do his work through us. That he's willing to share his power to flow and work through common, ordinary people like us. And just 10 days after Jesus ascends, they're together in Jerusalem, and there Peter preaches a sermon. At the conclusion of the sermon, 3,000 people come to faith in one day. Church grows from 120 to 3,120 in one day. And it says they devote themselves, the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, the breaking of bread, to prayer. These people, these early Christians were committed to growing in the word of God. They were committed to prayer. They were committed to worship. They were committed to being with one another, to build one another up in that fellowship of faith. And that church began to grow and explode. In a very short time, almost 20,000 followers in that one church. That's amazing, incredible church growth. What's going on? They're contagious. They're on fire. The power of the Holy Spirit is being launched through these common, ordinary people. Great miracles take place. Peter and John and their other disciples are doing incredible things. In fact, the church grow so fast that they're beginning to be stretched thin, and so they add even more people to help them, so to speak, on their staff at that time. They bring in deacons, one of them by the name of Stephen. 
And he is um, basically taken captive by some of the Jewish leaders who are getting jealous because what they're seeing is, is their flock is dwindling as a lot of their people are becoming Christian. And they don't like that. They want to keep their power and they want to shut down this Christian church, which has taken over Jerusalem. So they take Stephen, they capture him, and he preaches a message of, of um, how Jesus is a fulfillment of the entire Bible, but they take him and they stone him. And present on that day was a person by the name of what? Saul. Persecution hits the church. We heard Pastor Allen talk about this. Proclamation, persecution, then what? Growth. That's the pattern. Proclamation, persecution, growth. The church is forced to spread out. This may seem like a terrible thing, but remember what Jesus said? You're going to be my witnesses where? In Jerusalem? Then where? Judea. That's the first area. So as these Christians go out, they begin to spread churches. They begin to spread Christianity where? In Judea. We see that begin to happen. And then one of the people from the church in Jerusalem named Philip goes to Samaria. And there he preaches the word of God, and we had a, a sermon on that. He preaches in Samaria, and the, many Samaritans come to faith, and Peter and John go there and find out, wow, even the Samaritans are believing. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, what's left? The ends of the earth. So how does God, by his power, make that happen? Well, he has another person to the team. Saul becomes Paul, ultimately, and Jesus comes to him in the road to Damascus, and Paul is led to faith, and ultimately for a period of many years, he's going to be discipled and trained to see what's going to happen in our chapter for today. Peter, the leader of the disciples, we see one chapter where God has to deal with him because Peter showed favoritism. What group did he favor over all the rest? The Jewish people. He didn't like Gentiles. And so God through visions, and a guy named Cornelius has to set Peter straight and help him realize that the gospel is for all people because if Peter is going to be a leader of a church that's going to reach the entire world, most of the world is what? Is it Jewish? No, it's Gentile. The stage is now set for today's chapter. The Christians are spreading out, but God chooses to have one church become the epicenter of a major missionary launch. And that church is called Antioch. And it's a church, I think, in many ways, like our church here in Scottsdale, Arizona. Because the people in this church came from different places. We're going to see that just from the leaders. I'm going to read to you a little bit. But if you want to follow along, um, either you can follow along in the bulletin, or if you want to take out a Bible to Acts chapter 13, verses 1 through 3. It's on page 1714, if you want to follow along in the Bible, 1714. Now, we're going to see what God does. The group of people he brings together in this church, which probably wasn't all that big. Great things were happening. In fact, it was in Antioch where we were first called what? Christians. That's where the name Christian came from. Before that time, it was called what? The Way. The Christians were called the Way. They were called Christians for the first time in Antioch. So chapter 13, verse 1. In the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. Stop there for a second. There were prophets and teachers. Now, I think a lot of times in churches, we've talked about this in a series, that people don't always major where they major. 
Maybe the pastor of the church is, is um, he's spread in a lot of directions. And maybe his gift is preaching, but he's so busy all week long, he spends just a couple hours a week on a sermon, and he doesn't get to use that gift well. He has a hard time delegating. The key for a church is people need to find their place and, and use their spiritual gifts and talents in ways that truly make a difference. And so we see a focus here, and it has to always be a focus in every church, teaching and preaching. Some of the names. Barnabas. Barnabas all along was whose wingman? Paul's wingman. He's always there to protect Paul. Um, after Paul had persecuted the church, you know, a lot of people didn't trust him. Barnabas was the guy that introduced him to the, the Christian church saying he's changed. He's no longer the guy he used to be. There's Barnabas. Simeon called Niger, okay, from there, somewhere in Africa. Lucius of Cyrene, also from northern Africa. Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch. And Saul, pretty all-star cast here. One person's not even mentioned that's there that didn't even make those names was a guy by the name of John Mark. Guess what John Mark wrote? The Gospel of? Mark, he didn't even make the cut for his leadership team. He's a writer of the Gospel of Mark. They had an amazing group of leaders at this church. Imagine being a member of that church. You get to listen to these preachers and teachers on a weekly basis. You think, wow, this is incredible. This is amazing. But what happens? While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for... The work to which I have called them. They're praying, fasting, they're worshiping, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit reveals to them, take your two best pastors, your two best leaders, and do what? Send them out. Deploy them to the world. That's amazing. There's going to be five words I want to focus a lot on today. See Seek, serve, surrender, sacrifice. This church sees a problem in the world. The world does not know who? Jesus. They see that problem. They seek. They're praying. They're worshiping. They're fasting. They're seeking God. What do you want us to do here? And the Lord reveals, take Paul and Barnabas, and also John and Mark, and go out. Bring the gospel to the entire world. The fulfillment of Acts 1.8. You will be my witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the what? Ends of the earth. This is going to be the epicenter for the launch that's going to hit the entire world. And it's in verse 3. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. See, seek, serve. They're willing to serve the world. They're willing to surrender their will to God's will. They're willing to sacrifice. We're going to give the world our two best pastors here, our two best leaders, and we're going to help resource them so they can make these missionary journeys. And this little church launches the beginning of missionary journeys that are going to change the world. And the rest of the Bible talks about that, in the book of Acts and the rest of the New Testament, how this takes place. One church changed the world. See, seek, serve, surrender, sacrifice. 
You know, I, I just love that church. I love the heart of that church. You see, the challenge with a lot of churches, I'm going to be perfectly honest. Most churches today are self-serving. I hate to say it, but maybe it sounds strong. A lot of churches out there in the world are focusing on what? This is all about me. Just the thought of, let's take two of our best leaders and send them out to the world? That's a foreign concept. No, we want to keep them for ourselves. The church is meant by God to be like a volcano, a launching pad. I'm starting to see that more in our church here, where people are being raised up in various forms of ministry to the point where the church becomes so strong it cannot contain itself. It blows out into the world. The love of Christ. Imagine if every church in the world could do that. Just imagine what could happen. I want to go back to those words. I want to look at the life of Jesus. See. Jesus could see that this world was lost in sin. He could see if he did not intervene and come to this world, we would be sent to hell. We would have no hope. Seek. He was someone who prayed. He was someone who sought the will of his father. He served. The Bible says Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He came and he walked on this planet, the God of the universe in human form, and he served. 100% served. He surrendered. He surrendered to the will of his Father. Even right before he was put on the cross. Take this cup from me, but not my will, but what? Your will be done. He surrendered. And he sacrificed. He sacrificed everything. He gave his life on the cross to become the payment for our sins, that our sins could be taken away, that the way to heaven would be opened. See, seek, serve, surrender, sacrifice. Whenever those words come together, and I, and I pulled those words you know, from our text, and it just makes sense all the way through, even you look at the life of Jesus. And I've seen this time and time again in ministry over the last 30 years. You know, I think a lot about some, some people who are very dear to me back in, in Michigan. And their name were Bill and Ellen. I talked about them before, but I want to kind of you know, show a whole story about how God worked with them in those five words. About 15 years ago, there was Hurricane Mitch in Honduras. And what took place was they went there to try to help the people. But they were put in a position where they were to help a missionary rebuild his house. And he had a really nice big house. And, yeah, they were concerned for the missionary, but they really went there for the indigenous people. And so the missionary group they were with, they left. They just walked away, and they went out into the, basically out into the wilderness of that area, and they found a community that had been completely destroyed. And without any pre-planning, they began to build homes with these people. And this started 15 years ago. They saw, they sought God's will, they've served now for 15 years, they've surrendered to God's will, they have sacrificed over the last 15 years, and in the last 15 years they've built over 400 homes, 60 schools. They realized the whole area, there was hardly any schools anywhere. They built 60 schools that also served as churches on the weekends. They built an orphanage, they have built infrastructure in that area. And every time they go, it's just, they, they don't, whenever they make plans, God has different plans. 
And God takes it way beyond what they possibly could imagine. And I've watched this over the last 15 years. They're still actively involved. And when they walk around in Honduras, the people know who they are. And they know who they represent. That they represent Jesus. There's been an explosion of Christianity in that area, even more so than, than before they got there. A lot of people come into faith. And when people are asked, how did you get put back on your feet? How did you get this house? And they realize it was the power of God. God's power. And I see how God can work so powerfully through, through normal people. Nine years ago, a little over nine years ago, I had the call to come to this church. Okay? And the church I was at in Michigan was a very dynamic church, a lot of great things going on. I had no intention of wanting to leave. But for some reason, when I had to call this church, I was having a hard time um, saying yes to this call. I felt a pull, but I was very happy with where I was. And for those of you that were on the call team, I apologize because I broke all the rules. You're supposed to make your decision in less than five weeks. I was two months. Okay, that was a no-no, but I, I, couldn't let, I couldn't say no to this call. So finally, it was a Friday, and I thought, okay, I, got I have to make up my mind today. And Bill and Ellen, they were in Honduras, and they never call me from Honduras, never. It's too expensive. I get a phone call from Bill. He's all excited. John, John, you, you, got, you have to go to Scottsdale. You have to go to that church. I go, why? I thought you were my friend. I thought you wanted me to stay here in Michigan. Because I had, I had this dream. I had this dream. You're supposed to go there, and it's going to be really challenging at first. It's going to be, be a lot of challenges here and there. But then he got all excited. He said, but then I, in this dream, incredible things happen in the future. It's absolutely incredible things. You've got to go to Scottsdale. Go, thanks, Bill. He's a very excitable kind of guy. And I, I'm a you know, math science guy, so I'm kind of more analytical. And I didn't think a whole lot of it, but just, it kind of stirred me up. Two hours later, I get a phone call from Ellen. She's in Honduras. She goes, John. I had a dream, I got to talk to you. I said, okay, did you talk to Bill today? And she says, no, he's in a different part of Honduras. I haven't seen him at all today. And she said, I had this dream. And guess what the dream was? Exactly the same dream, to the T. And I thought, okay, God, I'm supposed to go to Scottsdale. And I can honestly say that, um, you know, the, the dream has, has um, transpired in many ways. There's been challenges at times. But there's been some really good things happening. But I just feel that there's even bigger things yet to come. And I think for it to happen, it comes back to what we just heard in Acts 13. That God has bigger things we can ever begin to imagine. And the key is not our power. The key is whose power? It's God's power. It's his power. And so... I want to encourage us collectively and individually to focus on those five words. And the first word is to see. See. Look around. Look at how messed up our world is. The more you grow as a disciple, the more that you grow in the love of Jesus, you cannot help but to grow in love for people, and you have greater love for Jesus, and when you have great love for Jesus and great love for people, guess what you want to do? You want to bring them together. You can't contain yourself. That's got to be the key as far as our growth in the future. Seeing the problem. Wanting others to have what we have. And the world's messed up. I was talking yesterday with um, um, Vernon back in the sound. Vernon, you want to come up? He just got back 
from Guatemala. He was sharing some of the things he was seeing in Guatemala. And, um, you know, we, we have it sometimes, that our, you know, we may say it's tough in this, you know, where we live here. There's challenges. And <laughs> Come on up. And um, why don't you share some of the things you saw in, in Guatemala? Uh, uh, <laughs> it was poor. Okay, so obviously it was very poor. Everyone knows in Guatemala. Poverty was real there, but that wasn't really the, the problem. People weren't really concerned necessarily with what they had. They were actually really thankful for what they did have. It was more of the state that they lived in and the, and the constant fear that they were in um, regarding like their families and not knowing whether or not they're going to be able to stay on the land that they were squatting on, you know, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm really tired. Um, but basically bigger people could come and kick them off of their land. And so they were constantly asking us to pray for their protection just to keep them and their, you know, really large families on, on like these small plots of land that just were basically like shacks and shack towns. Um, we were in a place called Buena Vista, which was kind of jungly. Uh, it was really remote. It was back in sugarcane fields. And there was an, I had an experience there that really emotionally um, affected me, which was there was a little girl. She was maybe 13 years old, and her mom was there. Uh, there was maybe 11. I think there was, she has 11 kids total in the small. There's like 11 total kids. There was a little boy. Um, he was kind of, I think he was a little bit mentally ill just because, well, <laughs> we, we asked who, who the kid, what, like who, who's, who's it was. And it was this 13 year old girl's kid, um, which means that she would have been taken advantage of when she was like 11. And this is like a little girl who's like wearing like a cat shirt or whatever. It looks like one of my sisters. And I, I know 13 seems older, but this was really 13 doesn't even describe like how young she looked and how she's like carrying this kid and she's, and I can just see the hurt in her eyes. And I was asked to pray for this family and I had no idea. What, what do you even say? Do you mean like, what do you even, what, what can I say or what can I do that even justify it? Like what I, I got really emotional and I started, uh, I didn't cry like out. All right. But I was, I was, I was getting teary and stuff. Cause I, what do you, I mean, what do you say? You know, it was really sad. It was the fear that was... So, you know, when I talked to... I was expecting that the poverty be what the thing that would be really, you know, bothering them the most. But they're living in fear. Fear of, of um, these, these young women, of guys, just doing things they're not supposed to do to them. And just not the infrastructure um, there as far as government and police to protect these people in the right way. And there's a lot of, of corruption, too. And, and so um, there's a lot of hurt out there. So, you know, thank you. And, and um, you know, thanks for going on the trip. To, um, to the mission trip. You know, even in our country, I think that we're, we're heading more in a direction of um, away from God. And the further the world gets away from God, what happens? It gets more messed up. Very simple. It's sad. It's true. The world gets more messed up as, as people get away from God. And so what do we do? We need to launch we need to be stronger in standing up for what we believe on a daily basis and bring the love of Christ to the world, to see the problem and to seek God. You know, to be, you know, I want to commend you that it's going to be like 118 degrees today and it's Father's Day and you're here worshiping. You're worshiping God. And I want to encourage us to grow in prayer, 
to see, you know, God, what do you want us to do? What do you want me to do? What's your calling from me? The Lord's Prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. What does Jesus want? What does God want? He wants for his kingdom to come to earth, and he's, he wants to use people like us to make that happen. And we see the example in Acts as well. To seek him, to serve, to be willing to serve. You know, how do we do that? You know, our lives are busy, a lot going on. You know, this last week I went to the hospital um, a couple of times to, to see different people, and, and um, I wanted to find out somebody's room number, and there behind the desk was one of our members, volunteering time to work there. I thought, wow, that's, that's really cool. You know, not just in the church, but being involved in different parts of the community. You know, what is God calling you to do to serve? And everything we do, you know, your work and, and, at, um, at home and, you know, if you go to a restaurant, to be living for God in all situations. Everything's a platform to share the love of Christ. You know, nowadays, there's a lot of technology. And technology can be a real challenge, but technology can be a really good thing, too. We're starting a series next week called God Connects. The Lutheran Hour Ministry has done a lot of great things lately as far as resources. And the God Connects series, which we're going to start going through next week, is an opportunity for you to basically um, take the basic tenets of our faith. They're in videos that you can share with people or send them to them in the email. There's also one I want to talk about today called Project Connect. And I'm not sure if you use your phone a lot. Most likely you do. But there is an app I want to encourage you to get. Okay? If you put in LHM, Lutheran Hour Ministry, Project Connect. What will come up is about 30 different pamphlets, brochures. They can either be read or they can be spoken as well about any topic you can imagine. And what you can do from that app, if you know somebody, maybe they've lost a loved one. There's a great brochure to encourage people who lost a loved one. Maybe you know somebody um, who's depressed. There's a brochure on depression. Any topic you can imagine, they have a very good resource that you can just send. It's a free app. You can send it to anybody in the world. Something simple. One option. But I want to encourage us in our minds to be thinking, what is God calling me to do to serve? Then to surrender. Surrender to God. God, I am here for you. I'm not here for myself. He made us. He's given us all that we have. Through Jesus Christ, we have our salvation. Our future is secure to surrender ourselves to him. I'm available 24-7. I'm here for you, God. And be willing to sacrifice. And sacrifice means to get to the point where you feel it. You know, we got to get out of this whole idea. I've got to be comfortable in life. I want this bubble around me. I just want to be comfortable. That's a boring life. If you truly read Acts, and I want to encourage you, even though we're done now through 13, uh, I want to encourage you on your own to keep reading through Acts. If there's any men here who want our Bible study on Saturday morning, we um, got through chapter 13 yesterday. We're going to continue on through the rest of the book of Acts. You feel free to join us on Saturday morning at 7 o'clock in the men. But what you see is these guys, these people, these women and guys, they lived on the edge. They weren't afraid. And it says, even at the end of the chapter, even after they went to this town and they shared the gospel and ultimately they're kicked out of town, it says they had still left in the joy of the Lord. No matter what happened, no matter how difficult things were, they were living in joy. They did not have fear. Perfect love casts out what? Casts out fear. I want to encourage us to be open to see what God has in store. 
During the time of the series, you know, some really interesting things have happened in our congregation. We had an amazing congregational voters meeting earlier this month. It was incredible. We also have been praying for more direction on how we can run so-called the business of our church better. Okay, I'm not trained as a CEO. And during this time, the last couple months here, one of our members named Doug Sanders, who was a CEO and President Sprouts, has stepped forward as a volunteer to help us in running the business of our church. You know, somebody who basically was part of a, a business that grew from a handful of stores to over 250. And I know there's and more people are coming forward, and I just feel like God is raising up something within our church and school, and I want to encourage all of us to be open to see what part we are to play in that process. Because I know that God has even greater plans for this church. But the key is that collectively, we each need to do our individual part. And I want to encourage you to pray about what is your part. To see, to seek, to serve, to surrender, sacrifice. Okay, I want you to try to say those with me, okay? See, seek, surrender, serve, sacrifice. That's in the wrong order. I don't know how to happen. Serve is supposed to be before surrender, but they're all there. And I want to encourage us to be thinking about how we can do that, how we can do this in better ways. Let's pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we are here because you placed us here. We are not an accident, but ultimately, you not only gave us life, you've given us eternal life. As we make our journey through this world, so often we get sidetracked. So often we get wrapped up in worldly things that are just temporary. We worship created things rather than you, the creator. Lord, I pray that as we come to the conclusion of the series, that we can be like that church in Antioch. That we will be people that truly see what's going on around us, to see the hurt, the pain, the suffering. But not just to see it, but that we seek you. We seek what you want us to do that we step forward to serve, that we surrender our lives to you, that we ultimately sacrifice to your will. Lord, help us not just to know these words, but help us to live them out. In Jesus' name, amen.